It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible, and we do appreciate those of you who are watching at this time, and especially are we delighted to have those watching for the first time. And today I'm sure we have those who are watching, who, who watch this telecast every time we come on the air. We're on twice a day uh, during on the days that we're on, and I have people telling me all the time, I, I, I watch you both times, Brother Lambert. Well, I appreciate people about being that interested in the study of the Word of God. Now today on our telecast, we're going to discuss this subject, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. In this lesson, we're going to talk about different attitudes that people have toward truth. I hope that you'll stay tuned. Now today, we are offering a free Bible correspondence course. And I want to emphasize the course is free. Uh, we offer it free, and, and that's what we tell people. That's how we advertise it. And in spite of that, sometimes people say, now what does it really cost? Well, I'll assure you, it doesn't cost you anything. It is free, absolutely free. We want you to have it. And I would like to uh, tell you that this is going to be the best thing you've ever done for yourself, spiritually speaking, to learn more about the Bible. In order that you might learn how to receive the course, that you might know a little bit more about the course itself, why don't we pause for just a moment? Let me read now from John chapter 8, beginning at verse 31, and I'll be reading through verse 36. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We're Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free... You shall be free indeed. Truth is important in all areas of life. While truth is important in athletics, that is, there must be a standard that is a truthful standard by which the game of football, for example, is played. Uh, There are two teams playing on the field and One team says, well, we have our set of rules. The other says, we have our set of rules. It doesn't work that way. There has to be one standard of truth that they play by. Truth is important when you go into a court of law. If you're called to testify, you may be asked to raise your hand and to affirm that that you're going to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Truth is important in medical procedures. Would you want a doctor uh, performing surgery on you if he did not have all of the truth about what he was supposed to be doing on you? You want him to have all the information, all of the knowledge, all of the truth that's possible to have. Truth is important in the field of aviation. 
when, when a man's flying an airplane and I happen to be one of the passengers in that plane, I want him to know everything that can be known about the flying of that airplane. I want him to know the, the flight plan. I want him to know how to, 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 to fly that airplane, how to land that airplane, especially am I interested in him knowing how to land that airplane. You see, I want him to know truth. Truth is important in all of the relationships that we have in life. It's important in the relationship between a husband and wife. A man should be truthful for the, for, with his wife, and a wife should be truthful with her husband. Truth is important in relationship between parents and children. One of the reasons that there sometimes is a breakdown in that relationship is because sometimes children are not as truthful with their parents as they should be. We ought to be truthful with our friends. That's where it's important. You see, truth is important in, in relationships. It's also important in the development of character. In Romans chapter 12 and 17, Paul said, provide things honest in the sight of all men. You see, we should be seekers of truth. We should seek truth. In Exodus 18, 21, when Jethro told Moses to select men uh, who would help him uh, uh, govern the people and lead the people and counsel the people, one of the qualifications was that he needed to be a man of truth. It, truth is important in everything we do. And we should love the truth of God. We can know it. Someone says, I don't think you can know what's true. One man said he couldn't be sure about anything. In other words, he wasn't, there was no truth. Someone says, are you sure about that? The fact is, we can be sure. Pilate in John chapter 18 and verse 38 asked this question, What is truth? What is truth? Jesus answered that question in John chapter 14 and verse 6 when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Notice Jesus said he was the truth. Pilate's question was, what is truth? Jesus said, I am. Truth, reveal truth, is spirit given. In John chapter 16 and verse 13, Jesus said, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he shall guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he heareth, he heareth that shall he speak. All truth has been revealed to us in the Bible. We're studied to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15. In Ephesians 4 and verse 15, Paul said, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things. John, John chapter 17 and 17 says, Sanctify them with thy word, Thy word is truth, is truth. The word is truth. And the word of God has been revealed by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We have the truth. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, Paul said, But if I tarry long, 
that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Listen to him now. The pillar and the ground of the truth. The truth. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 5, Paul uses this expression, the word of the truth of the gospel. So when we talk about truth, we're talking about the word. When we talk about the gospel, we're talking about the word. When we talk about the word, we're talking about truth. When we talk about the gospel, we're talking about the truth, the word of the truth of the gospel. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, here is another expression Paul used. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel. But Jesus said, ye shall know the truth. So the idea that you cannot know what is true flies in the face of what Jesus said. Now truth is not attained by some subjective experience. Someone says, well, you know, preacher, I feel, or I think. You're not going to attain truth by the way you feel, by, the, by, by what you think, by your opinion. That's not how you arrive at what is true. Unfortunately, in the religious world today, so much of what people are doing is based not upon what does the Bible say, but it's based upon how I feel, what I think, what I suppose. So truth is not attained in that way. It's not attained by some experience that you've had. Truth is not attained by the multitude. Moses told Israel not to follow a multitude to do evil. The multitude is not always going in the right direction. As a matter of fact, if we take Jesus' word for it in Matthew 7, 13, the multitude is going in the wrong direction. They're on that broad road that would lead one to destruction. And truth is not attained by what the preacher says. I don't want people to take Brother Lambert's word for it. I want you to search the scriptures whether these things are so, Acts 17, 11. Someone said, well, my preacher said. Well, have you checked up on him? Have you examined what he says alongside the Bible? Truth is not attained by what the preacher said. And truth is not attained by what the church teaches. Someone says, well, our church teaches thus and our church teaches this. Well, that's not how you arrive at truth. The only standard by which we can arrive at truth is called the Bible. It is the standard of truth because it is the truth. The truth, Jesus said in John 8 and verse 32, will free you. Not only can you know truth, the truth will set you free. Now, in the absolute sense of the word, there's no such thing as an unrestricted freedom. In nature, uh, there's no unrestricted freedom. There's a law called the law of gravity, and we are subject to that law of gravity. In governmental affairs, there was no such thing as unrestricted freedom. There are those that have gotten themselves into 
uh, problems with the uh, authorities and have spent time in prison because they dared to violate some laws that, uh, by which they were being governed. There's no such thing as unrestricted freedom even in governmental affairs. And even God has put him under self under restriction. Titus 1 and 2 tells us about one of those restrictions. God cannot lie. He cannot do that. He's restricted. In James chapter 1 and 13, another restriction placed on God is that he cannot tempt us and he does not tempt us. In Habakkuk chapter 1 and 13, we're told that God cannot look upon evil. You see, God is under certain restriction. And there is no such thing as unrestricted freedom. Just because the truth might set us free does not give us the liberty to live as we'd want to live. Fact is, all of us are servants or slaves in o that are, are serving and obeying some master, according to Romans 6 and verse 16. Now, it might be the servant, we might be servants of sin, or we might be servants of righteousness. But either way, we're servants. And so we are under certain restrictions as a, as a servant of righteousness. There are restrictions that are placed upon us. The truth frees us, and the truth will make you free. But there are different attitudes that people have toward truth. I think those attitudes are illustrated in one chapter of the, in the book of Acts. I'm thinking now about the 17th chapter of Acts. And there are three attitudes that people have toward truth. First of all, the attitude is, unless it is old, I don't want it. They ask, is it old? This is illustrated in the first nine verses of Acts chapter 17. And uh, Paul had been preaching. And uh, he was preaching in the synagogue of the Jews. He did that for three Sabbath days. He was reasoning with them with the, from the scriptures. And he was talking to them about Jesus, if you'll notice, Jesus, if you'll notice in verse 3. And there were those that were persuaded by the uh, uh, preaching of Christ. But there were some of the Jews that were not persuaded. And they became envious and, and uh, they, they were upset. And the reason they were upset is because Paul was not teaching their traditions. In verse 6, they accused Jason and they accused others of turning the world upside down. And now there are people that only want things that are old. They just want the Old Testament. There are those that just want to do things the way we used to do it. And unless it's old, they don't want it. So that's one attitude toward truth. That is, if it's not according to our traditions, then I don't want it. Now another attitude that people have toward truth illustrated in this chapter is, is it new? And in verse 19, Paul is in Athens and, and uh, they brought Paul to the Areopagus and they said, may we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak. You see, that, that was the Athenian way. 
They always wanted something new, something they could discuss. And now some are always seeking some new thing. And they are used to all kinds of strange things. And unless it's new, they don't want it. They want it if it's new. I have known of preachers who would come up with some new idea about some passage of Scripture. Maybe it was so far out that I wouldn't even give it a consideration. But, but he would stake his whole future on that new thing that he had come up with. So is it old? Is it new? But there's a third attitude toward truth found in this chapter. That's in verse 11. It says these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. You see, that's the Berean way. They wanted to know not is it old, not is it new, but is it true? Is it true? Now, truth may be old and new to us. In other words, it may be some portions of truth that, uh, that uh, I have known for years. So, so it's old to me. But then I might be studying my Bible one day and I come across something in there that I have never seen before. So that's new. It's a new truth. But always ask this question, whether it's something you have known or something you have just learned, ask the question, is it true? Is it true? Not is it old according to our traditions. Not is it new, something that men have just come up with. But is it true? And we must study to learn if it is true. That's the only way you'll ever know what is true in religion. And people believe a variety of things in religion. I think you know that. That's the reason there's so much religious confusion today. So many people teaching so many different things. And, and the reason there are so many different teachings today from the same book is because some are just looking for something that's old, some for something that's new. But my, my, I encourage you to ask, is it true? And you have to study the Bible to find out it is true. Well, someone may say, well, you know, Brother Lambert, one way is just as good as another. Is that true? Solomon said, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. Well, some say, well, it really doesn't matter what you believe. Is that true? Could I ask you if it matters whether or not you believe in God? Whether or not you believe in Jesus? Oh, you say, well, yes, Brother Lambert, it matters there. So it does matter what you believe. And it matters what you believe in everything. Some say, well, you know, Brother Lambert, I, I've been listening to you on getting to know your Bible, and I know you talk about baptism. But Brother Lambert, baptism is not essential. Is that true? I would remind, remind you that Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Who is the he that will be saved in that passage? 
It is the he who believes and the he who is baptized is the he who will be saved. So is it true that baptism is not essential? Someone says, well, Brother Lambert, it doesn't matter what you teach. Just so long as you teach something. Just so long as you're teaching the Bible, it really doesn't matter. Is that true? 1 Peter 4 and 11 says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. May I encourage you to compare what you hear, what you read, what you're taught with the infallible Word of God. In the language of 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, prove all things. 1 John 4 and 1 says, try the spirits whether they are of God. Study to show yourself approved unto God. 2 Timothy 2.15 Ask this question, is it true? Not is it old, not is it according to our traditions, not is it new, but is it true? Is it true? And can I assure you that the truth will set you free. In John 8, 36, Jesus said that if the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. You will truly be free. And you know you can be free. In Matthew the 11th chapter, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor, and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Maybe that's another way of Christ saying, I'm going to give you freedom. And we do have freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have freedom to serve Him. Sin leads to bondage. It has always led to bondage. And there I'm speaking to some right now who are in the bondage of sin. And I want you to know that the truth of the Lord can set you free. And if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In Acts the 8th chapter is the interesting story about a preacher by the name of Philip. And about a man who's not named, but he is from a man from Ethiopia. We sometimes just call him the Ethiopian eunuch, wherefore he was a eunuch. This man had been to Jerusalem to worship. He was sitting in his chariot, riding along, minding his own business. When along comes the preacher, and he says to him, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I unless someone guides me? And eventually he asked Philip to get up in the chariot with him and to tell him who the prophet was talking about in Isaiah 53. And the Bible says that Philip opened his mouth and he began at the same scripture and he preached unto him Jesus. I, I don't know all that Philip said when he preached Jesus to him. I do know that when he was in Samaria, 
in John, uh, Acts chapter 8 and verse 12 that he preached things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. But he preached Jesus to this man. And as they were on their way, the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chair to stand still, and they went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Have you ever wondered why that man went on his way rejoicing? It was because now he was free. He was free from the burden of sin. And you can be as well. Freedom in Christ. Would you not, as a believer in him, allow some servant of God to baptize you upon the confession of your faith in him, baptize you into Jesus Christ. And if we can assist you in that matter, please, please, let us hear from you. In the closing moments, may I give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. I recently learned of a couple who walked in the church building of the Church of Christ in a, a city far removed from here. And they let it be known they'd been listening to getting to know your Bible. They wanted to be baptized into Christ. Why don't you do that as well? I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer.